0: Our sermon today is from Luke 8, verses 40 through 56. That's found on page 1101 in your pew Bible or 1252 in the Adventure Bible. Luke 8, 40 through 56. Luke 8. Verses 40 through 56. And I read in Jesus' name. Now when Jesus returned, the crowd welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. And there came a man named Jairus, who was a ruler of the synagogue. And falling at Jesus' feet, he implored him to come to his house. For he had an only daughter, about 12 years of age, and she was dying. As Jesus went, the people pressed around him. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years. And though she had spent all her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. She came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment. And immediately her discharge of blood ceased. And Jesus said, who was it that touched me? Then all denied it. Peter said, master, the crowds surround you and they're pressing in on you. But Jesus said, someone touched me. For I perceived that power has gone out from me. And when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him, declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. And he said to her daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. While he was still speaking, someone from the ruler's house came and said, your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher anymore. But Jesus, on hearing this, answered him, Do not fear, only believe, and she will be well. And when he came to the house, he allowed no one to enter with him except Peter and John and James, and the father and mother of the child. And all were weeping and mourning for her. But he said, Do not weep. She is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But taking her by the hand, he called, saying, "Child." Arise. And her spirit returned, and she got up at once, and he directed that something should be given her to eat. And her parents were amazed, but he charged them to tell no one what had happened. Let us pray. Father, so come now to meditate on your word. We thank you for bringing us this story. Lord, that we might know how these things happened, what what this means for us as well, who Jesus is, what he does, and Lord, I pray that you would use this story to change us and indeed make us more like Christ. Father, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. There we go. All right. So, I'm titled this sermon, Saving Faith, because that's what Jesus said to the woman with the discharge of blood. Woman, your faith has saved you. You know, and that's, that's, quite, a, that's quite a statement, because what does it mean don't quite match up there we go well the first one we'll just have that faith comes now we'll go with the the sermon notes in your bulletin faith what, what does it mean to have faith well, it happens i probably sent the wrong thing um what does it what does it look like what does faith look like well faith comes to christ because jesus calls us to come jesus he he exhibits his power doesn't he You know, that's what we have in the Word of God. We have Jesus exhibiting His power for all the world to see. And these things have been written for us so that we might know the power of Christ, so that we might know the change that He can bring in anybody's life. Not just physical change, but also spiritual change, but not just spiritual change, but also physical healing, intellectual, emotional. Christ can change us, absolutely. Because we've seen Him do it. So the one who trusts Christ comes to Christ. And that that first step, we see this, well, we see Jarius doing it. He's doing it on behalf of his children. He's coming to Christ for her sake, for the sake of his daughter. And if Christ has this sort of power, why wouldn't we come to Christ on behalf of those who need him? Why wouldn't we evangelize? Why wouldn't we intercede? We'll just stick on interceding. Why wouldn't we be praying for? Well, we should be praying for our president. We should be praying for our, our leaders, our government. Why? Because they need Jesus. We should be praying for our, our Supreme Court. Why? Because in order to make a good decision, they need Jesus. They need Jesus. We should be praying for our doctors and our nurses. We should be praying for our friends and our relatives. Why? We should be coming to Jesus on their behalf. Lord, come heal This person, Lord, come work in this person. Lord, you are powerful. You are more powerful. You know what? Did you know that Jesus is more powerful than the media, with all of the lies and the confusion? And you know, it's funny. I was I was listening to well, I I listened to a lot of podcasts, and I was listening to a, a liberal talking, and they were talking about all the lies in the media, and I was listening to that, thinking, well, that's fascinating. They sound like me. You know, they're talking about all the lies in the media. And so it doesn't matter if you're on the left or on the right, if you're a Democrat, Republican, Libertarian, Green. You look at the media and you say, there's lots of lies here. As a Christian, though, I can look at the media and say, they're less powerful than my Lord. We need to be praying that the Lord would bring truth into this world. That he would be at work in the hearts and minds of people. We need to come to Jesus on behalf of everybody who believes the lies, on behalf of everybody who is dying in the lie. Their eyes are blinded. Their hearts are hardened. They don't know God. They're trusting in the things of this world. Because that's all our normal media can offer to people. Political power, finances, you you name it. But it's all material. Whereas Jesus says, no, I'm greater. And I give more. And so if you guys believe that Jesus has power, has power to change the world, intercede, come to him on behalf of others that need him, you know, don't just stand there, it was Oswald Chambers, I don't remember what day it was, I think it was Tuesday, or one of these days this week, when he was in his, uh, my utmost for his highest, he said, God has not given us discernment so that we might have, we might be able to judge, God has given us discernment so that we might intercede, you see something wrong in the world, God has given you discernment, But why did he give you that? So you can feel better about yourself and you're not an idiot like them. No. So you can pray on their behalf. Lord, these people need you. Do you see the error in their life? Do you see how they're living? Do you see how they're walking? Do you see what they're doing to each other? These people need you because it's Jesus that fixes people, not my pride, not my judgmentalism, not my condemnation. It's Jesus. They need Jesus. So if Jesus has the power to change people, bring them to Jesus and then we see this woman too she believes in the power of Christ and so she comes for herself because Jesus doesn't just love other people but Jesus actually loves us he loves us and it's easy to say that like yeah I know that Jesus loves me you know we sing that I'm not going (laughs) to sing it because you know I don't want people to have to turn off the YouTube well they could fast forward that but then you guys would have to suffer um we sing that as little kids. Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. Yeah, we know that. But Do we really believe that? When hardships come into our lives, do we say, hey, thank you, Jesus. You love me. Really? Yeah. Because Jesus loves you, right? Is, is Jesus Lord? Is, is he Lord over this world? Has all authority in heaven and on earth been given to him? Oh, So that means he's Lord. So that means when hardships come, we should say, Jesus, you lost control. No. We just say, thank you, Jesus. What are you doing? How can I live in this? How can I know your love in this? We come to Jesus. We come to Jesus for wisdom. We come to Jesus for guidance. We come to Jesus for healing. Lord, you have said that you love me, and yet this thing is happening to me. That means that I'm I'm probably thinking about this thing wrong or I'm feeling about this situation wrong. What, what do I do? What do I do, Lord? Come and heal my thoughts. Come and heal my, my heart. Come and heal my actions. I've been acting wrong. Lord, come and heal my me. Lord, this is going on in my body. I know that you're trying to get me to come to you, Lord. I come to you. Heal me. Love it if you heal me quickly, but just heal me. Because it's Jesus who has the power to do that. It's Jesus who has the power to change our mind. Have, husbands, have you ever tried to change your wife's mind? Jesus has the power to change a mind. Don't answer that. For the sake of your marriage, do not answer that question. Jesus has the power to change hearts. Jesus has the power to change actions. Jesus has this power. And so we come that we might be changed because believe it or not, we're not perfect right? We haven't reached the fullness of sanctification. And so we need Jesus to heal us, to heal us in all aspects of our lives. Because every place where I'm not walking with the Lord, that, that could be seen, that can be seen as sin, but that could also be seen as sickness. That is a sickness that needs to be healed because it's, It's causing destruction. What is sickness? It's when something foreign has invaded my body and is causing destruction inside of me. You know, that's what sickness is. And so then my sin has invaded my life and is causing destruction within within my life. I need to be healed of that sin. I need to be healed of those thought patterns. I need to be healed of those desires and those passions. I need to be healed of those habits, those actions of mine. So I need to come to Jesus. And I stand here as one who needs to come to Jesus. Because I need to come to Jesus very often and say, Lord, I'm thinking about it this way, but I think that's wrong. How should I be thinking about this situation? How should I be interacting with this person? How should I be praying about that? What should I be doing with this plan? Lord, I'm not thinking about these things right. I need you to fix me. I need you to heal me. I need you. So how do we come well, we, we come in prayer. So, we, you know, how, do we, how often do we pray alone? You know, we, we come in prayer. We come in prayer alone. We, But not only just alone, we also need the body. Because, you know, this is one of the wonderful things about being Pastor Hosanna. I, I've been corrected by the people of this congregation many times. Because sometimes when I'm thinking about something wrong, someone will come up to me and say, that's where Soren gets that from. When he's thinking, he goes like this sometimes. Other times he goes like that. Uh, we're trying to figure out where he gets it. And I guess he gets it from me. It looks cuter on him. Um, yeah, that's, that's just life. Um, we, get, we need correction from other people or encouragement. No, you know, when I'm starting to doubt and I'll talk to someone, they, they might say, actually, I think you're right. That doesn't happen very often. Um, usually it's, uh, you're probably a little bit askew. And here, How think about it this way. You know, so we need the body. How do we come to Jesus? It's through the body. So we come to Jesus alone. We come to Jesus through the body. We come to, you know, alone in prayer. We come to Jesus through the body in prayer. We talk to each other. And we allow them to guide us because Solomon says in the book of Proverbs, by many counselors wage war. And the man who isolates himself seeks his own desire and will lead to his destruction. Think about that. We need the body. We need people to both encourage us and to correct us. We need the word of God. This is why we actually need a godly body that knows the word of God. Because if we are, exist in a body, a group of people that don't know the word of God, you just have a bunch of blind people sharing their blindness. You have a bunch of ignorance sharing their ignorances, hoping that sooner or later they might find the truth. But if you've got blind people groping around, how, what are the odds that they're going to find what they're looking for? But if you've got people whose eyes are open and who know the truth, that's who you go to. That's why you need a Bible-believing church. Why? Well, because, you know, them people are all a bunch of hypocrites and, you know, no, why? Because they don't know the Bible. They don't have anywhere to look. They don't have anything to stand on. They're just going to be floating out there. It's terrible. And that's why I need to know the Bible. And that's why I need you to know your Bibles. Because you guys are the first line of defense to heresy. Did you know that? you are because if pastor joe starts creeping off to the left or creeping off to the right because you know I'm a creep no that's not what the thing to say god corrects me through you think about that you're the first line of defense you are the ones who hear me and listen to me and talk to me about these things and so you're the ones that correct me we need that we need bible believing people hearing from the holy spirit hearing through the word of god In prayer, on our behalf, we need to be doing this stuff alone, but then we also need to be doing it in the body. We need both. How do we come? We come alone and we come through the body. We come through the congregation. We come through the gathering together of believers. We need both of these things. I can't just say, well, you know, I I prayed alone about this and I don't have any answer. Obviously, God doesn't really care. No. If God hasn't answered you when you're alone, then come in public. If God hasn't answered you in public then you need to go alone. We need both of those. Faith overcomes. Not only does faith come, but faith overcomes. Faith overcomes shame. This, this woman with the discharge of blood. You think about that. A woman with a discharge of blood for 12 years in a Jewish society. You know that her having a discharge of blood made her ceremony unclean? She couldn't go and worship. She couldn't interact with other people. She couldn't interact with, she couldn't, her husband couldn't touch her. If she was married, her husband wouldn't have been allowed to touch her unless he too became ceremonially unclean. You know, and I'm, I'm not only talking about intimacy, I'm talking about just any sort of touch. She wasn't allowed to be touched because her uncleanness would make others unclean. Think about that. How would you like to go 12 years with nobody laying their hand on your shoulder? Or knowing that when they did lay their hand on your shoulder, that you were making them unclean. You were separating them from the right to worship. Think about that. Think of the shame that that would cause. I am unclean. And that was was hanging on her. I am unclean. I am unworthy. I can't come to God. I can't come to other people. I can't be healed. But she trusted Jesus. And she trusted Jesus and pushed her way through a crowd of people that were pushing in on Jesus. How do we know that she pushed her way through? Because what Peter says, the crowd is, I'm going to quote this, although it's so I don't get it messed up. When all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowds surround you and are pressing in on you. And so she had to overcome her shame in order to come to Jesus. You know what that means? That Jesus was more important than her pride. Jesus was more important than her pride. Because what a shame. You know, we were talking about it in our Sunday school. Jason brought it up. You know, why, do we, why do we clean our house when we have people over? Really? You know? Why do we clean our house? Well, in some ways, it's to honor the people coming. Well, we don't want them to come into our mess. But not that our house is ever a mess with our three little kids. Um, But on the other hand, we want to present a better front than we actually live in. Like this, if if you went to our house right now, when we're here, don't do it, please. You would see the way that our house often is. I'm not going to say normally because sometimes it's worse. Um, No. (laughs) <laughs> but you'll see how our house often is. Why? Well, But we don't want you to go over there. Why? Because in some ways, we're kind of ashamed of that. We should, we should have everything together, right? Everything should always be put away. Everything should always be organized, right? No. I don't think so. Well, not everybody would agree with me. <laughs> but... <laughs> so we hide... In our shame, our shame causes us to hide. No, I can't allow people over right now because my house is a mess. I can't have Jesus come into my life right now because it's a mess. I need to get things cleaned up and figured out before I can come to Jesus. But faith overcomes shame. Faith says, you know what? I'm not going to listen to my pride. My pride says, "You, you need to hide these things because you want other people to think better of you than you actually are. Faith says, it doesn't matter who I am matters who Jesus is. Same thing comes with fear. You know, fear says, you know, think about Jairus. Think about this. Jairus came to Jesus. His daughter's dying. And then the other people come to him and say, the people that were, um, someone from the ruler's house came and said, your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher anymore. But Jesus, on hearing this, answered him, do not fear, only believe and she will be well. Jarius could have said, Lord, it's done. Lord, I'm done. She's dead. You can go home. Could Jarius have said that? Yeah. Do we do stuff like that? Yeah. Lord, it's, it's too far gone. I give up. We're done. And we let fear control us. Instead of hearing the words of Christ. Instead of trusting Jesus and him saying, trust me, walk with me. I will make this, I will redeem this. I will bring good out of this. Trust me. You say, Lord, it's, it's too far gone. They're too far gone. They're too far gone. We can't do it. We're just going to give up. I'm too far gone. We're just going to give up. We do that. We allow fear to control us. Sometimes we allow our experiences to control us. But this is what happened last time. I'm not going to do it again. You know, I was thinking about that this morning. Um, as, I was, as I was praying about this sermon and various other things going on, it was, Lord, what, what are you calling us to? We've we've tried, this, you know, we've tried this thing before and it didn't work. What do we, should we do? like, well, you trust me? Well, it didn't work before. It didn't work for those people. Well, will you trust me? Will you trust God? Well, who am I serving? I'm serving God. So if I'm serving God, then I don't actually have to really worry about the outcome because the only failure is not doing what he says, right? The only failure, if you're serving God, is not doing what he says. You might walk into a situation and fail, Totally bomb it. So what? You've still been obedient. Therefore, you've succeeded because you've overcome your sin. Because I'm serving God, not you guys. Did you know that? My call is to serve God. And so if I stand up here and preach and fail in my preaching, but I'm doing what God has called me to, there is success in that. There is also failure in that because He calls me to put a lot of work into this for your sake. But who are we serving? If shame is overcoming me, if fear is overcoming me, even if my own experiences or other people's experiences are overcoming me, then that means that I'm not serving God. I'm either serving myself or I'm serving someone else. If I'm serving God, my failures don't matter because I can trust Him to redeem them. I can trust Him to work them out because we can trust God. Faith overcomes. Finally, faith Fixates. What does it mean to fixate upon something? Huh? Totally Totally focused. Thank you, Doug. Yeah, if you fixate on something, you're totally focused. And fixation is dangerous. Have have you guys have okay, I'm just gonna use children because children have a tendency to fixate on things. Have those of you who've interacted with children, have you ever seen a child fixate on like a dessert? Or something wrong. Emily, she fixates on desserts. Um, Most food. Most food. Okay. But to fixate on something, actually, uh, I was watching, I was reading an article and they were talking about deaths due to cell phones. Cell phone, cell phone caused deaths. So people will be looking at their cell phone instead of looking at the lights and they'll walk into oncoming traffic. This isn't that interesting. That car is a bigger deal. You think about that. What are they doing? They are fixated. What are children doing when they fixate on something? They're fixated on a toy. We have a better one here for you. No, I want that broken one. The box. Yeah, they fixate upon the box. Here's your present. I like the box. I'm just going to give you an empty box. Or the one that the sister has. I think we should give... um, Yeah, no, I'm not going to... No. I'm not going to give any ideas. Fixation is dangerous because if you're fixated on the wrong thing, it will lead you into a pit. If you're following the wrong thing, your eyes are on that. You know, I keep thinking about Kirsten's grandparents' old GPS. Uh, I don't remember which, it was a Tom Tom or Magellan or whatever, Garmin, uh, But they called it Jezebel because if you followed that thing to the letter, it would lead you astray. <laughs> <laughs> You know they fixate on it it would lead them astray and so they listened to it but then they also had a map there and so that's what we tend to do when we don't trust our guide we have more than one guide and we start to multiply guides i don't can't trust my government well now i have to listen to my media well i can't trust my media now what do i do now i have to trust you know alex jones and don't trust alex jones um You know, so then I have to start multiplying guides, but now I've got 15 people telling me what to do and where to go, and I don't know what I'm going to do, and so it's just like, I'm done. Fixation can be dangerous, but then the opposite of fixation just leads us into chaos as well. And so we have to fixate on the right thing. And if you have faith in Christ, you are called to fixate upon Jesus, not on yourself. Because... Faith in faith. I should have had those switched. I'm actually just going to switch those. We fixate on Jesus. Why? Because he is true. He is right. He is the truth. Jesus says, Lord, your word is truth. Jesus says, I am the truth. And so what Jesus speaks and what he has done and what he does now is the proper representation of reality. This is Christ. And so we are called to fixate on Jesus. And we'll hear someone say, well, you can't trust Jesus in that. Well, you know, this stuff was written just 2,000 years ago. It was written by a bunch of people that are dead. They were trying to understand God. And Jesus says, no, I am God. I and the Father are one. No one comes to the Father but through me. And then you hear someone say, well, there's many roads that lead to heaven. You know, like the old Japanese saying, there's many roads that lead to the top of Mount Fuji. See, the thing is, heaven's not Mount Fuji. It's a lot higher. There might be a lot of roads that lead to the top of Mount Fuji and there might be a lot of ways to skin a cat, but there's only one way to God. That's Jesus. And so we're called to fixate on Jesus no matter the fears, no matter the shame, no matter the thoughts, no matter all these other things, we're called to serve him and fixate on him. Lord, but I might go broke. So what? Fixate on Jesus. Trust him with your finances. Lord, but I might get sick. So what? Trust Jesus. Trust him with your health. Does that mean that you don't, you know, Save up? No, God tells us to. That, that means that we're supposed to be wise with our money, but for the sake of Christ. That means we're supposed to be wise with our health, but for the sake of Christ. Not for our sake. Not for the sake of the people around us even, but for the sake of Christ. That all of these things, Lord, what do I say? How do I act? What do I do? Do I serve here? Do I not serve here? Who are you doing it for? Who are you serving? Do it for the sake of Christ. Fixate on Him. Focus on Him. This is for His sake. You know, why do you work the job that you have? Why do you do what you do? Do it for Christ. Fixate on him. Well, if I follow Jesus in this, though, I might not make as much money. Follow Jesus. Trust him with your money. Well, if I follow Jesus on this, then someone might say something bad about me. Trust Jesus. Fixate on Jesus. Don't worry about your reputation. He'll take care of it. You know, and as we fixate on Jesus, we say, well, faith in faith. Look look at me. Look at what I'm doing. And then we, we're tempted to start looking back on ourselves. You know, God bless you because you have so much faith. God blessed you because you listened so well. Well, if God's blessing me because I have so much faith, what am I trusting in? My faith. If God if I have a blessing and I say, Hey, you know, that's because I've done everything right. Who am I trusting? Myself. I've got faith in my faith. I've got faith in my obedience. I've got faith in my actions. I've got faith in my emotions. I've got faith in, in me. And you know what? Faith in me is, man, then I have a fool for a worshiper. If I put myself first. It was 1 Corinthians. Paul says, Paul planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. And so if God didn't bless the field, will it have an increase? No. There is such a thing as non-viable seed. Did you know that? Seed that's dead. If God doesn't give the increase, your seed is dead. Without his blessing, without his life, it's dead. And it brings death. It brings hopelessness and despair. So what do we do? We fixate on Jesus. And when we're tempted to look back on ourselves and say, hey, I got this figured out. What are we called to do? God, forgive me. (sighs) Worshiping the wrong guy. God, forgive me. You brought increase and I'm taking credit for it. Well, it was my weeding and my watering. And if it wasn't for me, this wouldn't have grown. God, forgive me. Because my faith is in my faith. And our faith is supposed to be in Jesus. Because we can't trust ourselves, but we can trust Jesus. We can come to him. We can say, I'm not going to listen to my fear. I'm not going to listen to my shame. I'm going to walk with Jesus, and he will fulfill. He always does. He always does. Does he always do it in our timing? (laughs) No, because he knows better. Does it in His, to the glory of His name. Amen. Let us pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you that we can trust You. Lord, that we can rely on You, that we can hope in You, that we can submit to You, that we can look to You, keep our eyes on You. Lord, as Peter walking on the water, when he took his eyes off of You, he started to sink. Lord, I pray that we would keep our eyes on You. You are the one who heals. You're the one who blesses. You're the one who works. You're the one who gives increase. You're the one who gives life. Thank you. Thank you that we can trust you. In Jesus' name, amen.